Uh, Jason, will you lead us in prayer, please, this morning? Jason Father, Davidson. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that you Amen. Amen. All right. So, where have we been at? Y'all know? Where have we been at? Bring that whole group in here. Load them out in here. We're missing some people so we could use some visitors. There you go. Just crowd those people. Grab anybody's out there in the hallway. All right. So, we've been talking about eternal security. Eternal security we spent about three weeks on, and I had other stuff, but we got to flip the page, right? Uh, I think you guys know you're eternally saved. If you don't, see me after class and I'll give you about 15 pages of notes and you can read them. Um, this week, I want to start this way. Um, I don't know, next week, we, Brian may be speaking. I'm not sure yet. We haven't worked that out. But uh, I wanted to get on a roll again because I felt like it had been a while after spring break since we had taught. So this morning, I'm going to start this way. I'll tell you in a second what the title of the lesson is. And I think you're going to enjoy it. Um, eternal security you got to really think about. I mean, it's a lot, a lot of things. This morning, you just sit back and enjoy it. And I think it's, sometimes it's good. And Johnny does some of that sometimes. And I want to I wanna make sure that, uh, that I throw some of those out there, too, instead of, uh, as some people say, those getting on messages. Uh, the eternal security was a thinking a uh, couple of weeks, three weeks. But uh, this one I think you'll enjoy. So how many of you recall, and, and I clearly know in a, in a class size, where we're getting 150 people coming and going, 70, 80 people a week. We're, we're going to have some folks that I know this hits, but, but um, that haven't done this. We, we've got folks in here that have adopted kids, uh, and we have folks in here that got lots of kids, and we got folks in here that uh, don't have any kids at all, and we got grandparents in here. So I know we got all kinds, but here's what I want to ask you. This is the best example I could think of, so bear with me. Uh, how many of you remember your pregnancy, uh, uh, and I'm talking men and women, not, I know you men weren't pregnant, but, but trust me, you went through something when you, were, when you guys were pregnant. Uh, I, I don't know why this is not even in there, Rosemary, but I'll never forget the first time we got pregnant, Amy and I, one of seven pregnancies we had, we had several miscarriages, as you guys know from, from years of, of teaching and stuff, but we, uh, we <laughs> uh, excuse me, yeah. Six pregnancies. I forgot one of them equal two. But uh, uh, anyway, uh, we we got pregnant, and man, I'd never. I wasn't one of those teenagers, Rosemary, that that ever broke out. I never really had bad skin, you know, for a while, and a lot of my friends did, right? And I never did. And all of a sudden, at like you know, age twenty-eight or whatever it was, I started breaking out. And Amy had been pregnant about four months, three months. And I had never gained that much weight in college. I used to drink milkshakes and, and eat peanut butter sandwiches. My coach on the baseball team said, you, you need to gain some weight. And I'd gain 10 pounds. As soon as the season would start, I'd lose it. As soon as we started running. Uh, so anyway, I, I started gaining weight, and I got this acne. And it wasn't bad, but I'd never had it before. And I was like, what is going on? So I went to the doctor and, and was saying, something's going on. And I had no idea, you know. And, and I literally found out that, anybody know what that's called when, when your wife's pregnant and, say again? Sympathy. Yes, sympathy, pregnancy. So I was eating, and evidently I was stressing because it was, it was go time, right? I, I, you know, I can't lose my job now. I've got to take care of a baby. I don't know what I was thinking, but I never had that after that, but I had it with Madison. So here's what I want to ask you. 
How many of you recall the pregnancy uh, that you had, and, and you can laugh at some of the things that you did, uh, probably during pregnancy, uh, especially your first one, but do you remember what it was like for nine months as a couple? Think back. Some of you, it's been a long time. I'm not going to look eye to eye with any of you, but some of you, it's been a long time. Some of you, very short while, and some of you will have some in the future. Some of you are expecting now, uh, but nine months as a couple. How many of you had at least a pregnancy where you did not know, and some of you who haven't had pregnancy, it's cool, uh, you might know a couple who did this, and you might have been friends with them. How many of you did not know, by show of hands, the sex of the baby on any of your pregnancies, okay? Now, women, I've found by and large, and I didn't look this up, they like to know and they like to plan. For me, Paul, I think that that is one of the purest forms of surprise that you can ever have if you don't know. So I wanted all of our children to not know. Well, obviously, Amy outranked me in some of those, but the first one we did not know, and our third one we did not know. Because what happened is when we found out in the second one, as soon as we found out, Amy started crying. At the, doc the doctor walked out of the room, she started bawling. She thought she wanted to know, but as soon as she found out, she, she was, I, I don't want to say let down, my poor, hopefully Morgan didn't sneak back in the room in here this morning. Um, at the time, it was my middle child, you know, and, and we were hoping for a boy. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, we had had a girl. We were hoping for a boy, and we found out, and it was just, I was okay, but it just hit Amy. I mean, she started crying. Well, we didn't know on two of those, and I'm telling you up to, I mean, we're willing it in, man, and, and on, on one of those, we had a C-section, and, and you never forget any of your, any of your pregnancies that you're there, or if you have a sister or brother who's been pregnant or your grandparent, I'm sure it's totally different then too. But I'm in there, and you know, I'm down zero two. It's two girls and no boys, right? So I'm at my third child, and I'm down in there, and they say C-section. We go down to the C-section. They got me in scrubs. For those who haven't been through that, they put me in scrubs. And some of you guys say, I ain't going in there. I, I'm not bothered by that at all, so it doesn't bother me. I'd already seen them take Amy's everything and lay it out on the table, and, and things are stretching. I'm like, what's that? Is she going to need that later? I mean, they're, they're, they're rolling it out, and they put this thing up on Amy, right? You, you guys, some of you guys know what I'm talking about. Certainly you women that have had C-section or you've been with people that have, and they put this thing up. It's yay high, and so Amy can't see anything that's going on, and she's, you know, she's numb, and I'm, I'm looking at her holding her hand, and then I'm looking at this going, God, that is pretty cool, and that and these two nurses, without going much further, they're doing this, you know, and that, that, that was not too fun. But, but they start laying stuff out because they have to get in there to get the baby. So I'm sitting in there, and the anticipation, besides my wife's organs laying everywhere, the anticipation is, for those who've done it, off the charts. You've waited nine months. It's zero to two, Robert. It's zero to two. And for, for me, this is it, right? Yeah, God had a different plan. But... It's zero to two, and they reach in there, and I see the hand come out. You know, I'm like, come on. Come on. You know, Amy's up here, and I leave her. You know, I'm holding her hand, but I'm down right here with the doctors waiting, right? Mark, you know what I'm talking about. And then all of a sudden, there it is. Well, it was hard to see, at least at that point. But I got down in there, and I saw it, and, man, it was celebration time, right? And Amy didn't even have to ask. She knew immediately it was a boy, right? 
And so she started crying, and we started crying together. I said, get all that stuff put back in her right, and <laughs> sewed it up. Let me have my boy. You know, it's terrible. And then I went on to have, as some of you don't know, I have four girls. That's why I'm making a big deal about this. So anyway, why do I bring that up? Because to me, we did not know what we were having. Many of you might disagree, but it was enormous, undescribable anticipation. Can't even describe it. It's the closest thing I can think of in, in anticipation. That's why I brought it up as an example to the unveiling of what I want to teach on this morning. You say, Jeff, where are you going? Our subject this morning is the most anticipated event known to mankind. The revelation of heaven. Heaven and what all it entails for us. There should be an anticipation for the Christian unlike anything else that you've ever experienced. The closest I could think of was that one right there, right? Um, because it was so cool. You have to wait nine months. You're doing it on purpose because you know you can find out what it is. So you're fighting on this. Well, here's the deal. When you're sealed by the Holy Spirit, as we've been talking about eternal security, when you're sealed by the Holy Spirit, you are as good as they are already. Jason, the Bible says you're as good as glorified. You're going to be glorified. So we're going to heaven. We're on that ship, all of us this morning, let's hope. If you're not, as I often say, come see me after class and we'll get that fixed. We're going to heaven. So this morning, what I want to do is a check on how is your anticipation of where we're going. What all do you know about the place you're going to spend, not 90 years, Greg, not 100 years, but millions and millions. Can't even number them. Eternity. You ought to be fired up this morning when we get done with this, if I do it right, okay? And I'm not getting ready for surgery, but I am hot, all right? So I think this should be an exciting event. Heaven is the crown jewel of the Christian. I understand Jesus is the crown jewel, but it's the crown jewel of what we anticipate one day being with Jesus, one day seeing God, one day seeing the angels, one day seeing that loved one, that special one in your heart that you long to see, uh, grandparents, wife, daughter, husband, whatever it might be, all of them that are saved. It's the crown jewel. And this morning, I want to drive motivation of the believer to think more about heaven and to anticipate it with greater fervor than anything that we can think about. So here's the deal. You, you got this in the last few weeks, and some of you have been with me a long time here and in other places. Some of you who, uh, who I've taught with for Brian and I go back, I guess it's almost 18 years of teaching now. And Brian and I started that young marriage class at Eastwood Baptist Church. And some of you that are sprinkled throughout here and even my visitors this morning have heard me teach for 10 years at another church. So you've heard me say uh, a lot of things. I don't think I've done as much of a study. I've taught on heaven before, obviously, but I don't think not as detailed as we're going to get this morning. So what I'm going to say is this. We're going to cover a lot of scripture. And sometimes, if, if you sit under Alan Taylor, who's one of my favorite teachers to listen to, but one thing he'll do is he'll cover 9,000 scriptures, and I'm like flipping. Don't, I'm going to read you the scriptures, okay, assuming technology works this morning. Um, just relax and listen. And if you want to make notes, awesome. If you don't, you just want to listen. So the motivation here is to get an anticipation of great, uh, or great anticipation of what's coming. This is our true home. 
James said, I said last week, life is like a vapor. James said, it's here, Greg, and it's gone. But heaven won't be like a vapor. Heaven is it. That's where we're going to spend eternity. And so we better know something about it. And the Bible gives us lots of stuff, but you got to look at all the scripture and bring it all together. And some of this that I'm going to teach, clearly you have to have to use your imagination some. You know, God didn't say don't use your imagination. Now, I didn't say go against scripture. I said it doesn't have everything written down, but we can anticipate some things. And some, some may be wrong, some may be right. So uh, we'll talk about that as well as we get into it. So this should enrich the believer to contemplate often the prize ahead that, this, that, that all the apostles, Andy, talked about and that Jesus talked about and the Old Testament saints talked about. You're going to find that in my teaching this morning, I hope I end on this, there are actually five phases of heaven. Now some of you go, all right, he just went off scripture there and now you just went to false, false teachers, right? There are five, as I can tell, best I can tell, five phases of heaven. Now, just whet your appetite. Just hold on to that. We'll get to it. And if I don't get to it, someone call it out at the end, and I'll give it to you so you don't think I'm a false, you know, false doctrine here, false teacher. But I think, I'm hoping you learn something with what we're going to go through with all the scripture. All right. <clears throat> let's, let's try to confirm or deny some of the thoughts you may have heard. Here's a real important point before I go, and I'm, I've got them numbered. I've got them numbered, Rosemary, all the way through three pages. Some points I want to make. Before we begin, just like we talked about eternal security, it's not what people say, Claudia, it's not what people say, it's what the Word says. It's not what people think. You, how many of you have heard this? I think this is what heaven will be like. Or how about worse? I think, in my mind's eye, I've heard this 100,000 times. In my mind's eye, here's what God means by salvation. No. What does the word say? Let's go to the Greek, to the Hebrew, Bob, to the, let, let's study the word of God. And some people would say, well, that's kind of boring because that's not the way that the guys that are growing their churches today, and I'm not going to call any of them, but you know who they are. And we have some very local to us. A lot of those guys are, 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 are giving these messages that are just all rosy and everything's good and no one's going to go to the bad place and that, you know, and our pastor stands up with his Indian heritage and says, if you're lost, you're going to hell. Well, that's because that's what the Bible says. It's not because he wants people to go to hell. So we're going to talk about that this morning. But remember, it's not what you think. It's what we can look at in the Bible. Okay. There are some scriptures that you can say, well, this is the way I think that goes, Robert. And that's cool. Right. We have some, we have brains. We, you know, but. If it's against the word of God, you as Christians ought to call people out and say, that's not what the word of God says. This is what it says. That's where we're going, okay? So <clears throat> let's talk about heaven. And let's talk about the word of God and how it's described. First thing I want to tell you is heaven. When we define the word heaven, be careful in the Bible. We're talking about three things when we talk about heaven. If you're taking notes, the first one is found in the first chapter of the Bible in Genesis. Genesis 1 8 and in that it's talking about a firmament spoke of as heaven and let me tell you what that means and you can turn there if you want to I'm not going to read it but you'll know it because everybody almost almost everybody whether you realize it or not you almost have the first chapter of Genesis memorized just because you've been a little child you've heard it even if you weren't in church you know uh, in the beginning God created I mean you, you know it okay it talks about a firmament okay of of, of land if you will 
and, it, and it's talking about space uh, in the heavens, and I defined it as Earth's atmosphere. Okay, there's three definitions of heaven. I just want to be clear. There's one in Genesis 1-8, the Earth's atmosphere. Right there. All right? Where the birds fly. Right? The Earth's atmosphere. Number two, heaven is defined in Psalms 19.1. We're going to go into the scripture, but I'm just giving you these at the beginning before we go into particulars in case you want to look them up. 19.1 talks about the heavens as the stellar universe, okay? Where the stars abide, okay? The Milky Way. You know, what, whatever some of you science teachers, some of you teachers, you would do a much better job than me because I'm not as concerned about the stellar atmosphere as I am other things. But some of us hunters and fishermen, John and Brian, you're concerned with where the stars align on hunting days or fishing days because the animal activity is up and, you know, they say uh, baby activity is up too. And I would, I would agree with that because I've been to Northside Hospital where I know you've been. The Northside Hospital when it's a full moon and baby, there are babies coming out. That is a baby factory. Uh, the first baby Amy and I had, we had, there were 129 or 30 babies born that, that 12 hour period. And we, for our first baby, got to be in the basement at Northside Hospital along with eight other couples. It was a great experience. You know, you heard the generators running and everything. And they tried to, they tried to over service us because they felt bad. And they had this beautiful new wing and it was completely full, full, full moon, full moon. That's what, that's what nurses said. Full moon, man, we're packed every time there's a full moon. I don't know what it is about you ladies, but you like to spit them babies out when the full moon's out, I guess. All right, so the stellar atmosphere. The third one is this, and this is one you're most interested in, the third heaven, okay? The, the one we're going to talk about this morning. The dwelling place of God, as the scripture calls it, and the place where all saved humanity, when they die in the present, or let me say it this way, post-resurrection, of Jesus, all saved humanity and their souls abide there. That's the place I'm talking about this morning, the third heaven. Heavenly angels abide there. I'll get to that in a minute. If we were to read, if you want to put down a chapter to read, there's so many good ones, but chapter 14 of John describes it very good, and we may even get around in the next time or two uh, of reading that whole chapter, uh, and I'll call references to it today. So we're talking about the third heaven, okay? Uh, the third heaven. What are some things that you can tell me, Jeff, about the third heaven? All right. Y'all ready to jump into the scripture so you just don't think it's just me making these things up? All right. In the third heaven. <clears throat> First statement I have is heaven is the dwelling place of God. Deuteronomy 26, 15, and I'll read it to you. Ready? And this is in the English Standard Version. Look down from your holy habitation from, from heaven. You notice that? Look down. Y'all ever notice when we pray, we look up, and you might say, well, I wonder if that's scriptural. It actually is. We'll get there this morning. One of my points is heaven's up, out, and up somewhere. Uh, we'll get to that. But look down from your holy habitation from heaven, and bless your people Israel and the ground that you have given us as you swore to our fathers, a land flowing with milk and honey. Heaven is a dwelling place of God. He's there. It's it's where we're going. Where's it at? Deuteronomy 26, 15. Okay? If you're going to type, type fast. All right? Deuteronomy 26, 15. Look at, and for you note takers, 
Matthew, and I'm, I'm only going to do a couple, there's more, but Matthew 6, 9 says, pray then like this, our Father in heaven. Y'all got that? Circle in. Our Father who is in heaven or in heaven. We'll see, we see this done in sporting events a lot. Uh, I, I used to, it's sad, but I used to get a tickled, Rex. I, I was playing baseball in college, and, and we had a mixed denomination, and some of them weren't denominations, you know what I'm saying? I mean, some of them were earthly denominations, I'm pretty sure. And we would be, 45, 46 of us, coaches included, we would come together before every game, and the captain of the team would lead us in the Lord's Prayer. And man, I know some of the people that led us in the Lord's Prayer didn't know the Lord. <laughs> they did not know the Lord, according to what I could tell by their fruits. But they would repeat that prayer over and over again. And, uh, and so we hear that a lot. But our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name, right? So heaven is the dwelling place of God. And guess what? Heaven is also the dwelling place of Jesus, okay? Found, and I'm not going to read these two. Y'all know this already. But where does Jesus sit? At the right hand of the Father. You remember Stephen shortly after Jesus has gone back to heaven? And uh, it's not in this scripture but uh, that I'm about to reference, so you can write it down. But you remember this. He, Stephen looked up and he saw Jesus who was sitting and then stood at the right hand of the Father. Father's in heaven, dwelling place of God. Jesus is in heaven. And by the way, the crown jewel of heaven. And also the central theme of the Bible. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. That's where everything is ending and beginning with the Bible and the scriptures. So Jesus is in heaven. Acts 1.11, for those note-takers and, and those listening on the podcast uh, as, you, as you hear this, and you can follow it if you want, uh, Revelations 19.11 through 16, and that one's a good one. By the way, we probably work ourselves back to that one when we hear Jesus uh, speaking and, and giving commands from heaven. All right, so what's no, point number two? Point number two is this. Therefore, heaven is a real physical place. Did you know some denominations teach feel that heaven is just a mystical, it is mystical by the way, but it's a mystical thing that's out there. And really there's no physical place, but when you die, you will be at peace. Peace. I can't make the S's sound like they do on the, on, you know, anytime I hear that language like that on, on the TV, I'm, I'm, I'm flipping. You know, when I start getting, they get real mushy and they start talking about uh, things like this. And it's a mystical place that Everyone will get to go to, and we all will rest in God's blah, 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 blah. And then I read about heaven, and I read of, Darren, a place that I belong, which is a noisy place. Heaven's going to be noisy. I mean, we're going to praise God. It's going to be noisy. Uh, it's not going to be my grandmother. If my dad was here, he would say amen. My grandmother, his mom, used to think that we all were lined up in this race, and when we were finished, we were going to rest forever in heaven. My grandmother's not resting this morning if she's in heaven. Now, she might get rest from sin here, but she's not resting because I read about a place that we'll get to in later points of activity. I mean, we're going to serve God. We're going to have fun. It's going to be, I, I think, just a little tip of heaven, Robert, comes down when we have the best service you've ever been in. That's just a, just a morsel of what heaven's going to feel like. I mean, everybody you're going to know is saved, and everybody believes in, in Christ. So the people that are sitting to your right and your left, and the multitudes, Brian, in the millions, they, John said 10,000 times 10,000. He, he couldn't even number how many people were there. Of every kindred and tongue, can you imagine 
we're all going to be worshiping God. It's going to be a loud place. But point number two is it's a real place. It's not imaginary. Third, heaven is a dwelling place of God and God's angels, okay, which is something that people like to study about. Luke 2.15 takes us there, if you'd like to join me there. It says, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, so I'm dialing back to the Savior's birth. You remember? The greatest birth announcement of all time. Angels are dispatched on the scene, and it says that the angels went back, went back into heaven. Jesus came from heaven, Darren, and it said he went back. And then, by the way, he came back for how many days? Anybody remember? How many, how many days after he resurrected? 40 days, seen by hundreds of people, and then he goes, Paul, back to heaven, okay? So we get this language back and forth uh, into heaven. So we, you know, some cool things about heaven we don't talk about is people can come or angels can come from heaven and then go back to heaven. And we get into all these studies. We're not going to get lost in the angels because I know you guys like angels. Maybe I'll teach on angels one day. And I know people really, really like that subject. But Matthew 28, 2 says this, And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. Again, the angels dispatched from heaven. We almost have this dispatching. And we're not studying on angels, I'll say that again, but we all have our angels that watch over us, and that is not a made-up thing. That is scriptural. Now, that angel, and we're not studying on angels, but that angel stays with you from what I can read in the scripture. He's yours. You're his. He's assigned to you. He's kind of like Clarence, I guess, in the, uh, in the great movie that we've all come to love. He's like Clarence, kind of. <clears throat> I don't think he'll order whatever Clarence ordered at the bar that night, but he is like Clarence a little bit. All right, heaven is the dwelling place of his angels. Hebrews 12, 22, take you there too. Heaven is the dwelling place of God's saints. Now, you ought to be saying amen right there because that's an important one. Let's look at Luke 16, 22 real quick. It says, the poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. Now, we'll get back to that. That'll confuse some of you, and it did me for the longest. Abraham's side. Why are you talking about Abraham? All right, so the poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. Here's the picture. Saint dies. Angels are dispatched in heaven to usher their soul from what we can tell, Scripture, to heaven. So I know there's 10,000 books on I died and went to heaven. I died and went to hell. Well, we got, we, got, we got people who actually did go to heaven here that we know that we know, and those are the ones we better be reading about. I'm not telling you not to read those. I'm just saying be careful. Be careful that what you're reading is, is um, you know, is something that lines up with Scripture. I'll just stop with that. All right, Luke 16, 25 which is just a little bit down, says, But Abraham said, Child, remember that you in your lifetime received good things, and Lazarus in the manner bad things, but now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. We have this picture of a saint in heaven. Okay? Lazarus. Not Lazarus, the one you're thinking about, but Lazarus and the, and the rich man. Okay? Um, the one who the, the dogs licked his sores. He was so poor, he had no, 
no money, and uh, that's how he was healed of certain things. So the dwelling place of God, saints. Now, mark this down for note takers. I'm not going to go. This is too long. Revelations 4 and 5, this awesome picture of the saints. There's another one that as you read, some of you are very familiar with. I taught it real heavily in Bible prophecy at your church and Bible prophecy here a couple of years ago. I guess it's been now. <clears throat> you remember the saints, Brian, under the altar in the end time events. And the saints, these saints have been martyred for the cause. Now, interesting enough, we're, we're, already, we're already in heaven based on what I read. We're, we're with the saints, but these are special. They've been martyred for the cause of Christ. And they cry out from and in the throne room to heaven and they say, when will it be time to go get our vengeance? And, and when I say vengeance, in a, in a rightful way. They're watching from heaven, evidently, as countless numbers are slaughtered. And I believe it's going to be in the Middle East. And I believe, as you know, I said this long ago before all this stuff has gotten out of just crazy hand. And we're going to see this the rest of our life. Before the Allah worshipers, it's going to come down to a war in the Middle East in Jerusalem. And when it does, every nation will be involved. Whether we are the United States of America or not is, remains to be seen. But the reality is all nations will come and martyr will be happening. See, people will be getting saved from what I read in those seven years. And as they get saved, they won't have, uh, y'all are going to laugh here because I'm kind of teasing, but they won't have the mark of the beast. You see the little apple and the bite out of the apple? They won't have the mark of the beast, so they won't be able to buy, Brian. Last night, I went and bought some golf shoes. And uh, when I went to buy some golf shoes, how many of you use the app uh, Red Laser? Okay, so you take Red Laser, you pull it up, okay? And uh, I pulled it up, and, and that's what it looks like. It's got, a, it's got a scanner. See that scanner going back and forth? And anything that has a, a, uh, anything that has a UPC, uh, anything that has a number on it, it just scan it. And boom, automatically it tells you where to buy it cheaper. Pretty cool. Okay? Well, let's just imagine for a second. We're in the last seven years. We're, we'll be gone, by the way, so don't panic here. All right. And in your skin, a barcode has been placed. There's no more such thing as give me your $10 bill. They don't do that anymore. They take this thing with this apple on the back of it because the government has gotten into it now. And they, boop, they, they, they do it say. Thank you for shopping with us here at Kroger, Publix, or wherever. And off you go. $133 is deducted from your account. When the Antichrist gets in, man, I'm getting far out there. I'm not back on heaven. But when the Antichrist gets out there, what will happen from what I read in the scriptures and what I've taught and what I believe after great men of God that I've read after and women as well, they will scan that. And when you, Andy, and the Antichrist enters and demands that you worship him and that he is the ultimate dictator, Somehow, some way, Greg, he's going to get into the technology. And when he does, and you scan or Andy scans at the grocery store, and you're a saint of God, what does it say in the end time? That you'll be sealed. Okay? I don't understand that, but there's a sealing process. Maybe when you get saved, may, I don't know, maybe they asked you, who's your allegiance to? Maybe it's like in the days of Caesar, where they said, all hell Caesar, and you had to proclaim it. I don't know. And you say, I'm a Christian. And everyone turns in the room, and you're sealed with some kind of seal. I don't know how that's going to happen. I'm, I'm using my imagination. But when you go to the grocery store, you don't have the bar. Or you get scanned, and it says he's a Christian. 
sorry, you can't shop here. For fear that the government may take from that store owner or that company or whatever. I don't know how it's going to happen, but all I know is when I read, martyr, you're going to starve because you can't get food, Rex. And if you can get food, you're going to be martyred just like we see right now in the Middle East that's going on, even bringing it to our nation. They hate Christianity. They hate everything that we stand for. It's an evil force that's been put here and yada, 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 right? Y'all didn't know I was going to get into that this morning, did you? Now you can go home and look at your Apple computer and stare at it and wonder why that Apple was put on the back of that thing. With a bite out. Oh, my. No, no, no. I say we enjoy Apple until we get called home. Remember, not what was created is the guy that's created evil necessarily, but what Satan will use and what the Antichrist will use. And I'm just going on with you guys. I don't know that that's going to be the case. But I'd look into it if I were you. <coughs> All right. Yes. Well, I think there's some scriptures that would lend itself to our imagination to look at. Uh, I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, hold that thought because I'm going to get into the five phases, and that is one of them. And, and we'll talk about it because i got to get us to care group time. But um, <clears throat> that's a good point. Uh, I'm going to come back to that in just a second. Heaven, um, let, 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 actually, let, let's do this, what Paul just said. To be absent from God, uh, absent from the body, is to be present with the Lord. So as soon as you die, you're ushered, as we just read in the scriptures, into heaven, based on scripture, okay? Your soul, not your physical body, your soul. You have an immediate consciousness in existence. Don't ask me to explain that, Ed. I don't know. Physically, you're not there, but you're there, okay? Your soul is there, okay? We know this, too, that when Jesus looked at the thief, Paul, he said, today you will be with me in paradise. Prior to Jesus, it was called paradise, and I'm not saying we can't call heaven paradise, but watch, watch me here. I'm going to get right back to that. Jesus said, today you will be with me. We know his physical body wasn't there. They buried his body. He was there. He was present. There's an existence in heaven that we don't understand, and here's what I wrote down. Heaven is located, uh, uh, let me skip forward. The human spirit's departure from the body is well documented. Here's the notes on it. Luke 16, 22. Don't turn there. Luke 23, 43, 2 Corinthians 5, 8, Revelation 6, 9 through 11, and Philippians 1 through 23. That'll give you everything you need to go say, okay, is it true that immediately we leave and we're in the presence of God? And that'll tell you. Human spirit's departure from the body at death is well documented scripturally. There's no such thing, listen, no such thing, no matter what your denomination before you stepped here in this point in time, no matter what your denomination told you about soul sleep, there's no such thing. There's no in-between heaven or hell. You're either in heaven or you're in hell. It's very, it's documented. There's some confusion in Old Testament heaven, which y'all are going to go, Old Testament heaven, what are you talking about? I'm, I'm get there, those five phases. Immediately, you're going to be in heaven or hell. Your soul is going to be in heaven or, heaven, heaven or hell, and it will be reunited at the resurrection physically where you stand judgment in front of an almighty God 
whether you are a Christian or you're not. Great white throne judgment, sin, it will be judged. Guess what, Jason, my sin's not going to be judged. Already has been, praise God, right? It's already taken care of. I will stand in judgment at the judgment seat of Christ, no doubt about it. My rewards will be given if I have any. And uh, I, Jesus may very well go, what were you thinking right here? I don't know, maybe the great video screen in the sky. I don't know. Or he'll just snap his fingers and I'll, I'll, be, I'll, I'll know it. We got all the time in the world to be judged, so I don't know what's going to happen there. But I know this, I don't want to be at the great white throne judgment. Sinners will be at the great white throne judgment, meaning I am a sinner, but I'm saved because Jesus is standing up saying, nope, he's mine, come on in. And I'm going in, trust me, I'm going in shouting and singing and all that good stuff. All right, heaven is located in a physical place referred to as up, above, or beyond where we are today. Would y'all agree? I mean, I can get into the scripture here. It's real quick, Mark 6, 41, Luke 9, 51, John 1, 32, John 6, 33, and Acts 1, 2. All of them refer to G heaven as being out there or up there or he came down from there. Physically, here's what we know. Heaven is not on earth right now. Curveball slider. Heaven is out and up. A lot of people say, all right, this way I've seen it described or heard it described, and I think this makes sense to me. God has us in his hand. We all agree with that. God's holding our universe in his hand. It's in place. He's there. Maybe invisible. He is the invisible God, but he's holding us. And outside the continuum of space and time, which you're smarter than me, intelligence-wise. You, you probably get that better than I do. I just, I just don't even think about it. I, I just, you know, the Trinity. I don't even think about it. I just accept it, Robert. I don't go in and take it apart like some scientific people have to do, and I get it. And the Bible's there for you. All the Ken Hams stand up and, you know, read the Bible, and it'll tell you, and he'll tell you how I'll put it. I don't need that. I just believe it. Jeff, don't hang the curveball. He's going to hit it over the left field wall. I don't, I don't think about it. Just don't hang the curveball, right? It's faith. So I, I, I see God holding us, and somewhere out there is heaven right now. And he's got a place, a special place. But eventually, we're going to come out of heaven. Revelations tells us this, other Bibles. We're coming out of heaven, and I joke all the time. If Blake was here, I'd joke with him a little bit. We're going to be riding, whiting, little wascally wabbits. We're going to, whole another scripture. Uh, we're going to be riding white horses. And we're coming back to clean up after the Antichrist has done his things. Okay? So we've got a continuum and space-time thing that we don't know. But we know it's not here because he talks about it out there and up there. And we're coming from there. Okay? It's not in the sky. It's not in our atmosphere. You know, uh, it is mystical, but it's out, up, and out, and down, and all those things. But it's not here. All right, heaven is described as a city. I got I to close. Two more points. Heaven is described as a city. 11.16 of Hebrews, 12.22 of Hebrews, Hebrews 13.14. It is described as a city in Philippians 3.20. Here's what I defined a city as, because sometimes we get confused with that. Heaven is defined as a city, and we define city as a place with many residents in a close proximity where the inhabitants fall under common government. It's busy in a city. It's noisy in a city. Heaven is described as a city. John said, I saw a city coming down. You remember that? Now, that's, that's the new city. That's the last phase of heaven that some of you are going, man, I don't know where, what you're talking about. Let me skip ahead. 
And let me cover that as my last point since Paul brought out, and I mentioned it before. This is my last point, and I'll come back and get this next week or the week after if Brian teaches. Some of these below references require allow interpretation. Perhaps you have a different interpretation. It doesn't make you wrong or me wrong or whatever, but let's stay within the confines of the Bible. Interesting enough, heaven has changed since we introduced it in Genesis. Heaven seems to be undergoing an ever change in several places and phases. It also will experience future changes as well. There seems to me to be five phases of heaven, based on what I can tell. Some smarter than me might say differently. All right. First phase, pre-sin phase in heaven. The pre-sin heaven before the fall of Lucifer. Turn with me, if you want, in Isaiah 14, 12 through 15. Okay. If I can find it. Y'all ready? All right, Isaiah, I wanted you to see this one. Isaiah 14, 12 through 15. How you are fallen from heaven, O day star, son of the dawn. How you are cut down to the ground, you who laid the nations low. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. But you are brought down to Shiloh to the far reaches of the pit, as hell is often described, the pit. Okay, five, five listed out phases. Pre-sin in heaven. Prior to the fall of Lucifer, we have this idea of a perfect heaven. Lucifer falls, and the time continuum, we have to put in a date order. Adam and Eve, all right, are tempted by Lucifer, who's already fallen at that point in time. He tempts them to sin. They sin, and heaven changes. Heaven changes. Now we move into a phase that God obviously knew was going to be called the Old Testament, based on what I listed it as, Old Testament heaven, or paradise, or Abraham's bosom, okay, that we read about after the third of the angels have been kicked out, which seems to have been located in Hades. This is the interesting thing, and split into two distinct compartments. If you read about the rich man and Lazarus, you'll read that they, it says in the scripture, they were in Hades, H-A-D-E-S. But yet there was a paradise that seems to be, let's just say, above the actual Hades of where the sinners were and the people that didn't have faith in God. And we remember the rich man looks up and they can see one another at the time and he says there's a great gulf fixed and you can't get there and he can't come there. And so it seems to be compartmentalized in the Old Testament for a short period of time. Heaven, or paradise, is located actually in what we would define as the word Hades. There's two components. It's still a heaven, it's still a paradise, and then we have hell where punishment is inflicted. Phase three, the post-resurrection of Christ in heaven, or heaven. Seemingly, paradise is relocated from Hades to the current heaven where Jesus and God abide. We've already covered that. We can find this in Ephesians 4, which we'll cover next time I teach, and 2 Corinthians 5, 8. It's a post-resurrection. It's what we call today heaven. Out there, up there, beyond there. Boom, you die, Paul, you're immediately there. You're immediately there. That's the heaven of today. Well, Jeff, how does that change? When Jesus comes back in his second coming, not his resurrection, because we got to go through judgment first, 
All hell will break loose on earth for seven years, according to the book of Daniel and the book of Revelations and the book, so on and so forth. All right? We're being judged. We'll come back in white, white horses to clean up the mess. Jesus has come back, his spoken word. He will be the lion with fire in his eyes. Judgment time. He comes to earth and all these wars, Darren, he touches down. And when he touches down, he speaks. And, and the scripture says, the hearts of men literally melt in their chest. I mean, he's coming, it's over. I mean, when he comes, boom, it's over. And every army that is not for him will be laid down. And when they are, You've got the sheep goat judgment. I'm not trying to confuse you right here. The sheep goat judgment. He'll separate them. The people that are still here. Millions will die during this war. Millions will die during no, no water, no place to eat, all these things. But when he comes back, he's going to set up a kingdom that the Bible calls the millennium re millennial reign of Christ for a thousand years. I don't want to get into it as an actual thousand year. doesn't matter. Thousand year reign of Christ. That will be a form at the beginning of heaven. Jesus will be here on earth, dictating here on earth, but he still gives freedom of choice. And at the end of the millennial, people that are not saved, and how you couldn't be saved on what we're going to see, because it says everyone's going to see it. The sky, sky's going to scroll, satellite, TV, Phil, I don't know, whatever. They're all going to see him. But somehow in the heart of man, Jesus will prove again, in the heart of man, Marty, sin abides. And it just, they can't help themselves. And generation after generation after generation will get worse and worse. And finally, the second coming right there where he comes in the millennial setup, final judgment will be ushered in and the final phase, so I'm calling heaven the millennial reign for a while because guess what? To be absent from always. What does it say in the scripture? You will never depart from God again. So wherever Jesus goes, we're going with him. So heaven will be here for a short period of time, a thousand year reign, and lastly, heaven's final phase still to come in the future. After the final judgment, there will be a new Jerusalem and a new heaven. According to 1 Peter, this earth and the heavens will burn up with fervent heat. Never again to be destroyed by water, as we know from Noah's day, but fire will come and destroy this place. Somehow we'll be protected. I don't know how. Doesn't really matter. We're with Jesus and a new heaven and a new earth. And some of you might say, why would there need to be a new heaven and a new earth? Well, in that scripture that I studied this week, Satan somehow, some way, is cast from heaven, Rex, but he's allowed to still come in the presence of God. How I know that? Job. He's in the presence of God. Listen, Jesus said, and I taught last week, Peter, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. They have these conversations we don't understand. They're mystical. Satan's kicked out of heaven, but yet I envision the great general God calls him and says, show up. I want an accountability of what you've been doing. Because that's kind of what he did in Job. What you been doing? I've been rowing, roaming to and fro on the earth that you gave me and cast me. Heaven will be destroyed because sin has been in heaven and there'll be no sin in this heaven. And we're going to talk next time about the particulars of 15,000 miles by 15,000 miles, 12 floors, what is heaven going to look like? Let's go dismiss in prayer. And I am really, really late. And you care group leaders can just send me dirty emails. I'm so 